Ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. Sal Vetri here, and today we're going to be talking about one running back that you should be aware of, and maybe the fantasy community as a whole is actually a little bit more in line with this running back than some of the other beware of this player videos I've done. You can go back and check those out. I've done a couple on some wide receivers. This will be the first running back one. We've done some individual profiles, and I really like digging into certain players that uh, for one reason or another stand out to me, whether it's because their ADP is way higher than it should be, or on the opposite end of that, way lower than it should be. Or maybe the ADP is balancing out, but there's just an extreme case of what happened last year compared to what the situation is this year that I think the player is worth cutting into because although ADPs might seem to balance out, and who knows where they're going to be, I think by the time the season starts, Aaron Jones, who might have a reasonable ADP right now based on what I think, I think it's going to be become more unreasonable, if anything, once more casual players start to get in closer to the September start date of the NFL season. But welcome if you're brand new here. Again, my name is Sal Vetri. I cover fantasy sports and we're buckling down right now. We're getting up, we're getting our backpack on, and we're getting ready for this mountain of a hike for the fantasy football 2020 season. I cannot wait. If you are new here, please do at any point in this video, or if you've seen a pre- previous video of mine and you have not yet, hit the like button on this one exactly, and then the big subscribe button just popped up on the screen, bottom right hand corner, totally free for you to support me in that way. And if you're interested, if you're interested, right now I do have my 2020 Supreme Draft Guide is out. Thanks to Monkey Knife Fight, they're cutting the price by nearly 70%. It is linked in the description below. There's a huge descriptor on it. You can check it out. There's a load of material, about uh, three to four months of content that I've been producing, getting some other people to help me with as well as all in that Supreme Draft Guide for the measly price for yourself of just $10. You can check it all out down below. The Draft Guide is something that I'm very proud of, something that I've worked hard on, and I'm excited for you to see it. You're going to win your league. Get the Draft Guide. It's going to help you and assist you in doing so, beating your league mates, taking out the trash, getting the bragging rights, texting them up, hitting them up, showing you pictures of your trophy. That's all you got to do. Draft Guide, Supreme Draft Guide down below for the 2020 season. It's out now. So what I want to do today in this video is discuss Aaron Jones, and he's somebody to beware of, and it's it's all going to end up depending on ADPs, your average draft position, and of course, that just means if this player is a value or not. If Aaron Jones starts to slide in drafts, well, then obviously, yes, a lot of the beware of him starts to wear off because where you start to take players around him, and they're just not that much as secure as potentially what Aaron Jones might offer. But when he's starting to go closer to a top 10 running back than where I think he belongs as the top 15 to top 18 range, it starts to get a little bit sketchy when you're starting to rank Aaron Jones based on really last season and really the last two to three seasons, but primarily last season when so much has changed this year and not even based on the change of this year, just natural aggression in one huge month of the season that is going to be an outlier that will not be repeatable no matter what this year, in my opinion. Now, stay tuned to get into all of that. We're going to just start breaking it down right now, talking about Aaron Jones and there'll be a bunch of different pop-ups on the screen to kind of depict what I'm saying. So if you're listening on the podcast version, the video version is going to be a little bit more um, depicted based on some screenshots that pop up on the screen, but I'll be voicing them all out. So no worries at all. Listening on the podcast, please do download the podcast and we do a $50 giveaway weekly for a podcast reviewer who is subscribed and leaves a review. So if you want to check that out, whether you're a YouTube follower, $50 review, only like three or four people do it a week. If that, so uh, you have a very good chance of winning just 50 bucks. So be sure to do that. Leave a way for me to contact you as well. So in 2019, Aaron Jones ended up playing the entire season, something that he really hasn't been able to do. I mean, if you look back at his track record, with just durability in 2019, he didn't end up missing any any games last year. He was on the injury report twice with a shoulder injury, but in 2018, he missed two games with a knee sprain, the final two games. In 2017, he missed three games due to an MCL sprain. He's missed some time due to suspensions in the past, a couple of games. So last year was the first year that you got a full season out of Aaron Jones and the Packers needed it, especially when Devontae Adams went down and more on that later. That is a very important point. Those four weeks that Devontae Adams did not play after suffering turf toe on a Thursday night football game loss in a very nice game against the Philadelphia Eagles. But last year, Aaron Jones played on 62.6% of 
the snaps. He had 236 carries for over 1,000 yards and 19 touchdowns. 19 total touchdowns. Unreal. And you can see all these stats on the screen right now. His touchdown rate was up there with the likes of Mark Ingram and also Raheem Mostart in terms of being the highest in the league at right around 6.7%, a number that is not easily repeatable and usually never is actually repeated by any player in the NFL when you're that high at the running back position with your touchdown rate. He ended up catching 49 balls on 69 targets for 474 yards. So his season totals ended up being over 1,500 yards for 19 touchdowns on what amounted out to being around 285 total touches. A very good year for Aaron Jones. And because of that high touchdown rate tied with Christian McCaffrey for 19 in the NFL, he ended up being right only behind Christian McCaffrey in fantasy points last year as the number two overall running back, somebody who I was high on, somebody who a lot of fantasy analysts were high on in the community before last year going in those third round, mid-second round, ended up being a top two overall back, a great buy last year. That was last year. Pack it up in the box, right? 2019 on it and throw it in your attic or your closet because this is a totally different ball game, a totally different year. Right now, Aaron Jones is going off the board according to consensus average draft positions of around the RB10 in a lot of drafts, RB11. I currently have him ranked as my RB13 for PPR formats, and I think I'm actually high on him. I started the season off having him ranked around RB18. Oh my God, Sal, how can you have him ranked around RB18? Let me explain my case in this video, this in-depth break down this this video dedicated to Aaron Jones himself. So let's finish up talking about last year. He had those 285 receptions and carries it ranked at 17.8 per game. That was 10th in the NFL. So he ranked 10th in opportunities per game, but he finished second in fantasy points. Again, the touchdowns of being 19, number one in the league with McCaffrey, but the number one touchdown rate, which is something that's going to regress of 6.7 is a big reason why. He was number 11 in red zone touches. He was first in TDs with McCaffrey and third in fantasy points per game at 19.7 second overall finish. So he ends up having 19 touchdowns, but he was outside the top 10 in actual red zone touches. Hmm, another case to why regression, even though naturally it's coming, it's definitely coming for him. Number four in evaded tackles. Aaron Jones is one of the most talented running backs, one of the most elusive in the entire league. I mean, you talk about Saquon, you talk about McCaffrey, Zeke and Dalvin Cook are in that range. Nick Chubb, and also in my opinion, Joe Mixon is up there for borderline top five talented running backs in the league. Aaron Jones must be in that conversation. Guy was underappreciated under Mike McCarthy. He finally gets to break out last year. And although he did it in an unrealistic way with the touchdowns, 1,500 total yards on a guy only playing 60% of the snaps and his first full season in the NFL through 16 games. This guy's an absolute beast. He deserves to be in that conversation, in my opinion, as a top five talented running back in the league. That doesn't mean he's top five overall because of the situations and the offense that he's put in, but top five talent-wise in the NFL, in my opinion. He did all this behind the eighth-ranked offensive line in Green Bay, as you can see that, but this is where things start to get a little bit fuzzy. Now, there's many reasons as to why Aaron Jones, I don't think, repeats. Natural aggression off of 19 touchdowns and natural aggression off of just that many touchdowns without having an elite red zone role, in my opinion. You still have Jamal Williams back there. The obvious draft pick of AJ Dillon, the second round pick out of Boston College. The Packers reaching on him. Somebody who I had ranked as like a fifth round draft pick, in my opinion, and a guy that I said I would never even draft if I was an NFL GM based on just what his skill set provides for you. And I'd let some other team draft him. I thought he was worth getting drafted, of course, the talented player that he is. But in terms of an offense that I was trying to build, I would never draft a bruiser and a downhill runner and AJ Dillon. I would rather just have a guy who is a little bit versatile, your McCaffrey's, your Saquon's, your Joe Mixon's, these guys coming out, Kamar's, that actually can increase your offense in more than just running the ball for four to five yards. They can actually improve it based on the fact that they can catch the ball as well. Those are some things, right? The obvious mentality change of getting AJ Dillon. What is Matt LaFleur doing in this offense right now? Just drafting offensive linemen, fullbacks, and a running back in a draft where they just were in the NFC championship. They might not have been that good of a team in the NFC championship. Got a little bit lucky, but you still have a top five quarterback in the league and Aaron Rodgers, at least in my opinion. So things are starting to get a little bit fuzzy just in general with what is the security of Aaron Jones who's on the final year of his contract. But I want to look back at last year outside of the touchdowns and why I don't think that his overall 
overall finish, obviously second overall is not repeatable, but even being a top 10 running back is not repeatable. The things that I just mentioned are factored in, but this is a huge piece that a lot of people really aren't recognizing. Let me throw up right now four games last year where Devontae Adams missed. Now, overall, Devontae Adams missed four games in about a half of a quarter. He left the game in the fourth quarter against the Philadelphia Eagles, which the Packers ended up getting stalled in the red zone. I believe it was like six or seven goal to go attempts without Devontae Adams on the field, and they didn't convert on any of them. But in those four complete games without Devontae Adams, these are the splits. And you can see the splits up on the screen via Rotoviz right now. Those four games, the, the first column that you're seeing, his PPR points were 29.78 per game. 29.78 per game. That would be better than McCaffrey's full season total. Obviously, he did not do that the entire season, but he was pretty close because he finished second overall. He averaged 5.5 receptions per game in that time. Okay, now let's compare this to the rest of the season. The games where Devontae Adams isn't in there. And during these weeks, Aaron Jones went from being just a backfield player in terms of a running back to being split out wide. He was used in very creative ways because let's be honest, MVS wasn't getting it done just being a deep threat who was dropping a lot of balls. Geronimo Allison, who was awful in the slot when it came to drops and just getting any sort of separation. Jay Kumro, who's been so bad outside of the preseason for so long in the NFL. These were the options that Aaron Rodgers was throwing to. Alan Lazard during this time was just starting to get opportunities. It wasn't the Alan Lazard that we know him as today, who even then is not a fantastic and, and an insane player, but somebody who was at least manageable and usable. At that point of the season, he was just starting to actually come on. And really, that's, I think, was the first week he actually got to play was against the Eagles during that time when he filled in for Devontae Adams. So you have Aaron Jones seeing his catches increase by over three per game, over three receptions per game. There's three fantasy points for you right there in your PPR formats. His overall receiving touchdowns went from zero, zero receiving touchdowns in those 12 other games with Devontae Adams on the field to 0.75 per game in those four games with Devontae Adams off the field. Okay, well, let's continue to look at some of these numbers. His targets went from three and a half to 6.75. So they increased as well. 6.75 for a running back in terms of your targets. And his overall receiving yards went from 16.7 to 70. Let me tell you that again. Overall receiving yards went from 16.7. So 16.2 receiving yards per game when Devontae Adams was on the field to 70 overall. So just in those numbers alone, you're getting an extra three receptions per game. You're getting roughly an extra... 54 receiving yards per game out of this guy. And then you're getting a touchdown every other game or so out of Aaron Jones. And that's not even factoring in the running game, right? He was obviously used on the ground as well to obviously get to 29.78 fantasy points per game. These splits are just looking at his receiving game role. So he went from arguably up there with McCaffrey as the best receiving back in the league, averaging five and a half receptions per game for 70 yards per game and around a touchdown or so per game in that month span to not even being all that used in the receiving game. Maybe you would get two catches in a game, but those two catches were check downs and he wasn't even cracking 20 yards on average per game. So if you were to take out the usage that he had in that month of the season and Devontae Adams doesn't get hurt last year and he just sees his normal usage, he goes from being your RB2 to borderline a top 10 running back. I mean, that's just what happens when you take away 20 receptions. I mean, that's just what happens when you take away 200 yards right there. You're taking away 40 fantasy points off of a guy, not even to factor in the fact that he actually saw some receiving touchdowns during that time. You're starting to take away 50 plus fantasy points from a player. And yeah, when you're taking away 50 plus fantasy points instead of being number two at that spot you're going to drop down to closer to instead of being in the top five closer to just being in the top 10 at that point so these are really important numbers and and just to prove the point even more on how much the Packers are using the running backs which is good use them in the receiving game I don't know why they stopped this all of a sudden just because Devontae Adams came back but this is Jamal Adams splits during those exact same times now Jamal Adams did miss a game but you can see right here the splits with Devontae Adams during that time you have Jamal Adams in three games without Devontae Adams he went from averaging eight fantasy points per game to 18.4 so Jamal Adams fantasy points spiked by 10. He went from averaging 0.8 touchdowns per game, right? To averaging overall one touchdown per game. So he scored a touchdown every single game in the receiving department when Devontae Adams wasn't in the game. He ended up catching over one more pass per game and he ended up seeing eight more receiving yards per game. So everybody was involved more, right? Because of the touchdowns, his fantasy points went from about 8.2 to 18.4 per game. But it just shows you that the running backs were more involved
involved in general, not only Aaron Jones, but the backup as well, who's playing 50 plus percent of the snaps in Jamal Williams when Devontae Adams was out. Well, what happens if Devontae Adams just is now? Like I said before, Aaron Jones goes from being a top two running back to a borderline cracking the top 10 last year. And now there's other things coming into play this year, which is a perfect segue into the Packers offseason additions. Right now, as you can see on the screen, these are the Packers offseason additions, subtractions, and free agency, signing free agents, losing some players, and then also the NFL draft. Now, I'll start with the players that they lost because Brian Balaga, who's now signed with the Chargers and offensive tackle, was a big loss for them. They tried to replace him immediately with signing an offensive tackle in Rick Wagner. Let's just say it's a one for one split. I think Balaga's a little bit better. They get Reggie Bellington sometime in January. He's just out of the CFL, had a huge season last year out of the CFL. He's just going to be a depth wide receiver for them. I mean, they're saying good things, but who knows how much he actually steps on the field. They lose Jimmy Graham. That's great. I don't know why the Bears overspent for him. They lose John Allison. He also goes to a division rival in the uh, Detroit Lions, who he'll be backing up likely Danny Amendola. That's great. He was terrible last year. And then outside of that, they lose a depth piece in Jason Spriggs on the offensive line, and they really just do all of their quote unquote damage. It was a terrible offseason for the Packers outside of actually replacing Brian Blago with Rick Wagner. That was something that they did pretty well. But other than that, you're just looking at the NFL draft where everybody knows how bad their NFL draft was, in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinions. A backup quarterback in the first round that you probably can't use for at least three years and likely four plus years. A running back who was likely a fifth or sixth round pick, and AJ Dillon, who has no pass catching abilities, and we'll touch on that a little bit later. A tight end in Joshua DeGora, who they're going to use as a fullback, the Kyle Uschek role is quoted by Matt LaFleur, which I guess is better for Aaron Jones having that type of a dedicated player to lead the way for you, but just odd for the offense in general. And then instead of taking a wide receiver where like 40 wide receivers are taken in this draft, they go three offensive linemen in a row with their three sixth round picks. They lose their fourth round pick because that was part of the trade to trade up for Jordan Love and take him in the first round. But they take three offensive linemen, two interior offensive linemen, and an offensive tackle in the sixth round. So what was this draft? A backup quarterback, a running back, a fullback, and three offensive linemen. Build for that run game, baby, which is so, so backwards thinking if you're Matt LaFleur. It is so recency bias if you're Matt LaFleur and just looking for correlation and not causation. How do we lose to the 49ers? Oh my God, the 49ers, they ran right through us. That's what we have to do. They beat us twice so badly. No, your linebackers just have to tackle. Your defensive tackles just have to get better. Just having Kenny Clark on the defensive line isn't going to be enough. It's not the fact that they were just so superior of a rushing offense and also Kyle Shanahan's a mastermind and Matt LaFleur should not be thinking that he's that good of an offensive mastermind. I think he should think that, but we should not think that of him. But that is not the only reason why. The correlation there is not just the causation. Oh, and then he's starting to think, oh my God, the second that I left Tennessee, which uh, maybe a slate on him, Derrick Henry starts to pop off a little bit. Now I have to go and get my Derrick Henry and AJ Dillon, who the comparison is at least somewhat fair, but the top end speed is nowhere near the same as Derrick Henry's when you're looking at AJ Dillon. So the NFL draft, like you can see, will close this uh, pop-up up right now, but you can see that's where they did most of their damage. We talked about the durability of Aaron Jones. He's on the final year of his contract, right? So is Jamal Williams. So after this year, the Packers, and you're seeing running backs holding out and next year's free agency market is loaded with players. I'll try and get the pop-up right now from, I think, NFL Sports Update. These are the free agency running backs next year. If you think you're going to be able to test the market and get top dollar, you probably should start thinking again, because how do you get top dollar? You get top dollar by showing your worth, but also there not being a lot of other options for you, right? Why is the iPhone able to sell so highly in terms of its price each year? $1,000, $800, because there's not that many alternatives to the iPhone, or at least not as many good alternatives to the iPhone. And when you're going to be Aaron Jones amongst uh, 15 other running backs, who at least as of this recording back, Joe Mixon is one of those names. Dalvin Cook is one of those names. We'll see if they get paid before. And a ton of other running backs are going to be out there. Even guys like Tariq Cohen are going to be out there, who's not a flashy name running back, but somebody who can get the job done for a fraction of the cost of what guys like Aaron Jones are probably going to ask for. And yeah, there's a really good chance the Packers don't bring back Aaron Jones. There's a decent chance they bring back Jamal Williams if he's not asking for a lot of money, but that's why they go and draft AJ Dillon. I think they could have drafted a Joshua Kelly and Anthony McFarlane in the fourth round and had one, a better running back and two, a cheaper running back based on the draft capital. So it uh, makes no sense in my opinion right there, but that's what they ended up doing. And yeah, that, that means that Aaron Jones 
Jones is in a contract year, which if you're drafting him for this year, not dynasty formats, this specific year, that's pretty good in my opinion. Like you're getting Aaron Jones in a contract year. He should be motivated to say, I have to just beat out every other running back on the free agency market and show that I'm the best. So I do get that top dollar. That's nice motivation to have, but how much usage is he actually going to get? Is AJ Dillon going to come in and snatch his red zone role? Aaron Jones, who was outside the top 10 in red zone work last year, but number one in touchdowns naturally due for regression. What happens now if AJ Dillon doesn't play all that often, he comes in for goal line work. And now Aaron Jones goes to being the 20th ranked running back in red zone touches per game. And his 19 touchdowns dropped to eight touchdowns this year. For fantasy purposes, that's going to be absolutely brutal. So as we've hinted at the backfield competition throughout this, let's just talk about it. It's Jamal Williams, and then it's AJ Dillon. We could start with the backup Jamal Williams, as you can see on the screen right here. Last year, he played on 39.7% of the snaps. He saw 10.8 opportunities per game, 20 red zone attempts in the season, and six total touchdowns, three of which came in the receiving department during that split when Devontae Adams was actually out. So Jamal Adams is a former fourth round pick. This is the final year of his contract out of BYU, and he's the fine age of going to be 25, 25 and a half years old by the time the season starts. But then it's that brutal age when you're a free agent of 26 years old, where teams just don't want to give you a contract. You're 26 years old, 30 years old is like the death sentence for running backs, but now it's starting to become 28 as of late. So Jamal Williams is likely looking like a guy who maybe resigns for the Packers for like a two year cheap deal for like six, seven, eight million dollars. Maybe that's a situation where they sign him, but even that might be overpriced for them after just signing AJ Dillon and drafting him in the second round. So Williams is also in a contract year, but I think Williams does take a big hit with AJ Dillon behind him. There's a chance at some point this season, AJ Dillon is actually used more than Jamal Williams. The team likes Jamal Williams. He's also a great personality for the locker room and he's a good pass catcher and also the big one, the big one that changed a little bit last year is a good pass protector. Aaron Jones's first two years in the league was a very bad pass protector, which got Jamal Williams on the field more. Jamal Williams improved his pass catching abilities, and then he played even more last year. But last year, Aaron Jones actually improved his pass blocking abilities. And when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, that's going to be a huge need for you. So that's going to likely keep Aaron Jones on the field like it did last year, a little bit longer than usual, played 60 plus percent of the snaps instead of splitting it in the 50s with Jamal Williams. So I think that's another reason why Jamal Williams might see his role decrease this year. And then right now you can see AJ Dillon, the second round pick that we hinted at already at a Boston College profile on the screen. This is just a screenshot. There'll be actually really nice design pages on the website, which you can get down below. It's linked down below right now. The draft guide's out, $10. Go ahead and get it. Take a second of your time. Hit the like button. Smash the big old subscribe button that just popped up on the screen. But this is AJ Dillon's profile out of college. I mean, he's a monster. He's six foot, 247 pounds, and he ran a four, five, six, which at that side is a fast running back. But the upside speed and the open space speed is not there as much as it is for a guy like Derrick Henry. And you can see his player comp is going to be Steven Jackson. And I think that makes a lot of sense because although Steven Jackson was a bruiser and had some speed, he did not have that top end speed. He was a guy who maybe cracks out like an eight, a 12 yard run, but you're not going to see the Steven Jackson's 50 yard touchdowns coming as often as you do for Derrick Henry. So he ended up seeing 317 carries alone last year, averaged 5.3 yards per carry, 1,699 yards with 14 touchdowns. 65% of this monster's yards last year came after contact. Unreal. But you want to know what he didn't do? He didn't catch the ball. Just 13 catches on 16 targets for 195 yards. He was number five in forced missed tackles and number six in yards after contact. So that's what he is. Picture Derrick Henry, just a bruiser, except not as good as Derrick Henry coming out of college. In his career, he has 845 attempts. So there's a lot of uh, rust on those tires for a bigger body back for over 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, huge workloads, 198 career broken tackles is elite. But here you go. 845 carries to just 21 receptions in his career. He had over 4,300 rushing yards to just 335 receiving yards. He's not going to produce for you at all in that department. So it comes down to the positives of AJ Dillon is that he breaks tackles. He's a truck. He has a lot of experience in college and he seems to be NFL ready when it comes to his size. And he ran in a pro style offense at Boston College, which just helps him even more transitioning to the NFL. The downsides are just 21 receptions in three years. He's more of a bruising back. I mean, he's just not a one cut guy. He's not going to put his foot in the ground and just go. He's going to actually bruise through a lot of lines of scrimmage and he's a poor route runner. So he just doesn't fit today's NFL, in my opinion. It was a terrible second round pick, but it 
this is a guy who has high draft capital and just belief behind him in the coaching staff, believing him in, in Green Bay. And that can't help Aaron Jones. So to close the door on Aaron Jones right now, I think he's currently, he's closer than I thought to being like properly priced at his ADP. If he's going off the board as RB10, there's no way I'm taking him there. If he's going off the board around RB13, 14, I might take him. But the way that I'm drafting right now is to get two back-to-back running backs. And a lot of spots in the draft, you can do that without actually having to take Aaron Jones yet. So Aaron Jones starts to fall into this range where if he drops to like RB18, I'll take him as my third running back and I'll go three in a row. But that usually doesn't happen. And by the time August and September come, a lot more casuals are going to come in. And people like you who might be watching this a little bit earlier, or if you're watching this later in the summer, that's fine. But people who watch later in the summer don't get caught up to speed as quickly. It takes them a month. But if they're watching in September, they only got one to two weeks till their draft. They're going to remember, oh, Aaron Jones, number two running back last year. Oh, he had 19 touchdowns. Oh my goodness. He's still on the board with nine other running backs off. I'm going to take him right here. Oh my God. He's still on the board with seven other running backs off. I'm going to reach for him, which they don't think it's a reach with the eighth overall pick at the running back spot. Whereas I personally think like at best he's RB 13 this year. And there's a really, really good argument that you can make him RB 15 or 16. If you think guys like Clyde Edwards Lair have a huge, huge season. If you think guys like Todd Gurley, who does not have much competition behind him is going to be healthy and good. So there's a good case to be made that although I have him as RB 13 right now in PPR formats, I probably will bump him down by the time the season starts. And he might only be like RB 16, RB 17, in my opinion. And if you still don't believe me, just think about every single thing and go back and watch this video again. That's fine. If you have a different opinion, I mean, you can make the exact same argument that he should be RB 13 or he should be RB 10. And you can point to reasons why on your end, I just fail to see those reasons or at least fail to weight them uh, more heavily than the negatives and the big negatives, in my opinion, that I'm seeing out of Aaron Jones and some of the specific splits like the Devontae Adams split that I just don't think happens again, unless Adams gets hurt. And that's not something I'm personally projecting for. So this is the breakdown of why you should be aware of Aaron Jones. I really don't think you should be drafting him in general, unless he slides down your board to like the RB 15 spot and he's still on the board, then go ahead and take him. The way that I'm drafting right now, I don't think I've hit Aaron Jones name once. And I've done a lot of drafts just because the way that he's falling, definitely not in dynasty leagues as of right now, but the way that he's falling in drafts is I get two other running backs before I get him. And before my third pick comes around, even if I want to go running back again, sometimes I go wide receiver there. Even if I want to go running back, he's usually off the board at that point. So thank you for tuning into this video. I urge you, I urge you, please do check out the Supreme Draft Guide. It is going to be linked down below. You can check it out. Monkey Knife Fight, thanks to them sponsoring it, is dropping the price from $30 to $10. If you are not eligible for some reason, you can still get it on my website, which will also be linked up down below. So check all that out. Thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Salvetri. Before you go, big like button, the big subscribe button popped up on the screen. If you thought any part of this video was valuable, and if you watched to this point, you probably have, take a second of your time, bottom right hand corner, hit that subscribe button. It's a totally free way to support me and my work here, and it allows me to reach more people on YouTube. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I will see you all in the next one.